Welcome to the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics. Hello everybody, my name is Meyuri Ramnarain. I'm a fifth year medical student, and today we're going to be discussing melanomas. What is a melanoma? So melanoma is a type of skin cancer which occurs because there is uncontrolled growth of the pigment cells, also called melanocytes, in the skin. Melanocytes are normally found in the basal layer of the epidermis and they produce a protein called melanin which absorbs ultraviolet radiation. Are all skin lesions that result from an overproduction of melanocytes cancerous? No, uh, not all lesions are. So moles, which are also known as benign melanocytic nevi, as well as freckles, are non-malignant skin lesions. What are some risk factors for getting melanoma? So probably the most common and well-known is UV radiation. So countries like Australia and New Zealand have some of the highest incidences of melanoma worldwide. Some other risk factors, of course, include increasing age, as melanoma is very rare under the age of 10, and most melanomas will occur usually between around the age of 40 to 45. A previous history of melanoma, multiple moles, especially melanocytic nevi, multiple atypical nevi, and then a white or a fair skin, and even previous basal cell or squamous cell carcinoma can also occur as risk factors for melanoma. Are there any precursor lesions? Yes, there are four that we should know about. So the first one is a benign melanocytic nevus, which literally is a normal mole. And on the other end of the spectrum is what we call funny looking moles, which are called atypical or dysplastic nevi. And then the others are atypical lentiginous junctional nevi and giant sized congenital nevus. And these are also what you would commonly know as a birthmark. What are the different types of melanoma? So there are a few types, but probably the most common and the ones that you definitely need to know about are what we call the superficial spreading melanoma. Um, it is also the most common early onset types, in other words, um, patients under the age of 40. Then the next most common type is the lentigo maligna melanoma and the lentiginous melanoma, which occur in sun damaged sites and are probably the most common type of melanoma uh, when one considers the total number of melanomas. And then thirdly, the acrolentiginous melanoma, which are found on the soles of feet, on the palms of hands, or even under nails. These three melanomas tend to stay in their horizontal growth phase for a very long period of time, which means that they can be quite large before they go into a vertical growth phase. And once they enter the vertical growth phase, they become more aggressive. Melanomas that are less common, but are more aggressive, so in other words, they enter the vertical growth phase quite quickly, include a nodular melanoma, ocular melanoma, spitzoids melanomas, mucosal, and then finally spindle cell melanomas. Melanomas are usually skin lesions, but where else can they occur? Yeah, you're correct there. So the vast majority of melanomas occur in the skin. However, very rarely they may originate from oral or genital mucosal membranes, in the eye, and even in the brain. These unusual sites usually are the reason for delayed presentations and often these patients present with metastatic disease as opposed to the primary disease. What are the clinical features of melanoma? So if early, it may be described as an unusual or an abnormal looking mole or freckle. Depending on its growth phase, it will be either flat or elevated. So in the horizontal phase, it is normally flat, whereas in the vertical phase, it usually results in an elevated lesion. 
There are two clinical tools which, were u- which we use quite widely to assess a suspicious lesion. The so-called ABCDE rule, um, and that's combined with EFG. And the other system is called the Glasgow 7-point checklist. What does the ABCDE and EFG criteria entail? So the ABCDE part is for superficial melanomas. So the A stands for asymmetry of shape as well as color. B stands for border irregularity including smudgy or ill-defined margins. The C is for color variegation and change. D is for different, in other words, usually the diameter. Um, So is it increasing in diameter? And then E is for evolving. So in other words, the lesion is changing, so it's enlarging. The EFG part is applied to nodular melanomas. So the E stands for elevated lesion, the F stands to firm to touch, and the G means growing, so in other words, it's getting larger in size. And what does the Glasgow 7-point checklist consist of? So this checklist has three major and then four minor features. So under the major features, there's a change in size, there's an irregular shape, and the third factor is an irregular color. Under the minor features, there's a diameter of greater than seven millimeters, the presence of inflammation around the lesion, the lesion that's oozing, and then finally a change in sensation around the lesion. So how does one diagnose an melanoma? So once you have a strong clinical suspicion that a skin lesion is a melanoma, the best way to diagnose it is to excise it in its entirety and send it off for histopathological review. We would normally in these circumstances advocate a 2-3 millimeter margin of normal skin, as well as a full skin thickness excision. However, this approach is limited by the size of the defect as you should be able to suture it closed. And also, remember to orientate the specimen in case there's close proximity of the lesion to a margin and you need to eventually go back for a re-excision. How do you orientate the specimen? The easiest way is to think of the specimen as a clock face. So 12 o'clock is at the middle of the superior margin, 6 o'clock is at the middle of the inferior margin, then 3 o'clock is at the middle of the right, and 9 o'clock is at the middle of the left side of the lesion. How else can you diagnose a melanoma? If it is a large lesion, or it is in an anatomically challenging site to do, a full thickness punch biopsy, which includes normal skin, can be done. The presence of normal skin is essential for the pathologist to be able to accurately report the depth of invasion of the lesion. Incision or shave biopsies should never be done as they do not provide adequate tissue to determine a Breslow depth. What are the important points to look for in a histology report? Firstly, confirm the diagnosis as well as the type of melanoma. And thereafter, the following factors are important for prognostication as well as for potential future treatment. So the first question is, are the margins of excision clear? So in other words, is there normal tissue around the tumor? The second question is, what is the Breslow thickness of the melanoma? Third question, what is the mitotic rate? And the mitotic rate is a measure of how fast the cells are proliferating. So in other words, the higher the rate, the more aggressive the melanoma. And lastly, whether or not there is ulceration present in the lesion. There are also clock levels. What is the difference between a Breslow depth and the clock level of a melanoma? Breslow depth is measured vertically in millimeters from the top of the granular layer or the base of ulceration to the deepest point of the tumor. The clock level indicates the anatomic plane of invasion. 
it has five levels. So level one is for an in-situ melanoma. Level two is melanoma that's invaded the papillary dermis. Level three is melanoma that has filled the papillary dermis. Level four is melanoma that is invaded into the reticular dermis. And lastly, level five is a melanoma that is invaded into the subcutaneous tissue. For thin melanomas, both of the measurements are quite accurate and predict outcome. However, thicker lesions are at best assessed using a Breslow depth. Hence, we always use a Breslow depth just to keep things simple. And how do you manage a melanoma according to its Breslow depth? We follow the Australian Clinical Practice Guideline of 2017. So very simply stated, it means that a melanoma in situ only requires a 5mm margin. A melanoma that is less than 1mm thick but greater than 5mm needs a 10mm margin. Melanomas that are 1-2mm to thick require a 20mm margin. Melanomas that are 2-4mm to thick also require a 20mm margin. Melanomas that are greater than 4mm require a margin that is greater than 20mm. So in other words, that's the absolute minimum. Usually we would go for 30mm. If the original excision biopsy's margin is not adequate, a re-excision of the scar is required with an adequate margin from the scar. How is melanoma staged? So most clinicians will use the American Joint Committee on Cancer, abbreviated as AJCC, Cutaneous Melanoma Staging Guidelines of 2018. This is a TNM system which results in stages of disease. So once one has applied the tumor, the nodal status and metastatic status, you get a staging. And stage zero is literally an in-situ melanoma. A stage one melanoma is a thin melanoma, typically less than two millimeters in thickness. A stage two melanoma is a thick melanoma, so more than two millimeters in thickness. Or it's a melanoma that is more than one millimeter thick, but is ulcerated. A stage 3 melanoma has spread to involve local lymph nodes, so irrespective of thickness, as soon as you have got lymph nodes present, it's a stage 3 disease. And then stage 4 disease is when you've got metastases, and again, then it becomes irrelevant as to the thickness of the primary tumour. When is further investigation indicated in a patient with melanoma? How should patients be investigated once a melanoma has been diagnosed? So we would investigate patients with melanoma further if they're either a stage 3 or a stage 4. Um, so in other words, as soon as you've got positive lymph nodes, you need to investigate the patient further to see whether or not the, there's further lymphatic spread or if there's uh, metastases that are present. So in other words, metastases are quite rare for melanomas that are less than 0.75 millimeters in thickness. And the risk for tumors that are 0.75 to 1 millimeter thick with metastases is approximately 5%, so it's quite low. However, the risk steadily increases with thickness, so that melanomas that are more than 4 millimeters thick have a risk of a metastases of approximately 40%. So in other words, a stage 1 or 2 melanoma does not require further investigation if it is completely excised unless there are signs or symptoms of disease recurrence or metastasis. Patients with either a stage 3 or 4 must be referred to a general surgeon or a plastic surgeon who treat melanomas for further workup. This further workup can include things like a blood test where we specifically do an LDH level. An increased serum lactate dehydrogenase is one of the strongest independent adverse prognostic factors in metastatic melanoma. Independent of site and number of metastases, an increased serum level correlates with decreased survival in patients that have metastatic melanoma. 
Under imaging, we would either do ultrasounds of nodal basins. So for example, if you had a patient with, an, with a, a melanoma on their leg and they've got palpable nodes in the groin, we would do a groin ultrasound. X-rays, specifically chest X-rays, looking for lung metastases. And then depending on where the melanoma would have spread to, an appropriate CT scan of that area as well as the adjacent organs that it can spread to. An MRI if we're worried um, and need more detail than with a CT scan. And we can also do PET scans and this is very valuable in lesions that are not easily identified in CT and MRI but we're suspicious that there may still be a metastasis. We would then go for a PET scan. A sentinel node biopsy should be performed for all melanomas which are thicker than one millimeter and have no clinically suspicious lymph nodes uh, with PET-CT. If there are suspicious lymph nodes, a lymph node clearance is required. No tests are necessary for healthy patients who have remained well for five years or longer following the removal of a melanoma. When is so stage 3 and 4 lesions may be treated with agents such as immunotherapy, which is typically your interleukin-2 or your infron-alpha-2 beta, or the BRAF inhibitors, and there's many other molecular pathway inhibitors. Many of these are experimental therapies and are beyond the scope of this podcast. So in general, chemotherapy and radiotherapy do not work for melanomas. They really do require immunotherapy and access to these immunotherapy agents can be quite limited, especially in our public setting. How should melanoma patients be up? So follow-up can be done by a GP. Um, at a follow-up visit, the scar of the initial primary melanoma should be examined. Um, this should be inspected visually as well as palpated. There should be an examination of the regional lymph nodes. There should also be a general skin examination because any patient who's had one melanoma can always have another melanoma. There should be a full clinical physical examination. So in other words, we examine the lungs for metastases, we examine the abdomen, examine the liver to see that there are no lesions there, examine the abdomen as well for ascites, etc. In those with many melanocytic nevi or atypical melanocytic nevi, baseline whole body imaging and sequential macro and dermoscopic images of melanocytic lesions of concern should be done. This last category is quite specialized and is usually beyond the realms of a GP and can be done by a dermatologist. Are there preventative measures that patients can apply to reduce the risk of primary or recurrence melanoma? Yes, definitely. So preventative measures revolve around addressing risk factors such as exposure to UV radiation. So for example, in the high risk areas or areas where there's a lot of UV radiation, wearing protective clothing, using appropriate sunscreen, so typically with an SPS factor of at least 30, but typically 50, and avoiding tanning beds. Patients with a personal or family history of melanoma should be educated in what to look for in moles and freckles, and once this develops, that they should go immediately to their GP. Do you have any concluding remarks? So melanoma, especially in South Africa, is often underdiagnosed and, and diagnosed late. So we should be very conscious of skin lesions, especially in GP practice, and we should examine the patients um, according to our ABC guidelines. Any lesion that we're concerned about should be excised in its entirety with an adequate margin of two to three millimeters. And once the pathology report has come back confirming it, we should go through the factors that we've discussed. And usually those kind of patients should be referred either to a dermatologist, a general surgeon, or a plastic surgeon who has an interest in melanoma. 
I suggest our listeners keep an eye out for a skin lesions podcast in our series What's Wrong With That Patient for an approach to the various skin types of skin lesions including melanoma. Thank you for your time and we look forward to more podcasts in the future. Well, that was a pleasure. This edition of the Students of Surgery podcast has been produced by TuxFM. Visit www.tuxfm.co.za for young, fresh and relevant content. That was another edition of the Students of Surgery podcast series, where we shed light on common surgical topics.